0: It's time for the happy half hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and
1: Darren Gantt. And welcome to the happy half-hour podcast for Super Bowl week. And I would ordinarily say it's two-thirds less happy because both Kristen Balboni and Will Bryan are on special assignment this week. I think Will's out trying to get himself on the Swiss Olympic team or something at the moment. But uh, we got special guests, baby, and they are special indeed. I have called in the big guns for Super Bowl week, none other than Panthers legend, Brad Hoover. Brad, how are you, man?
0: I'm doing great, Darren. All
1: right, right out of the top, when you walk through the Harris Teeter, do people see you and go hoo? No, most people have no clue. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> I find that impossible to believe. I mean, somebody who played here as long as you did, you know, to to be able to walk around in anonymity, is that a real thing? It
0: is. Uh what's even funnier is my my oldest daughter had Jersey Day yesterday and I asked her how it went and She wore my my old jersey, and nobody believed that I was her dad, (laughs) which is even funnier.
1: Oh, man. This man had a long NFL career. How many years? Ten. Ten years. I mean, that's one of the most amazing things, Brad. I mean, when the average length of a a career is less than four seasons, to be able to get ten out of it is just amazing. I mean, and, you know, a testament to your work ethic, to your talent as well. And I kind of tease you a lot of times about that talent. I mean, you're you're still one of – Jackson County Community College's greatest athletes of all time. Uh, that's Western Carolina for you if you're not familiar. But Brad also has the great distinction in Western Carolina football history of actually beating Appalachian State one time. So it didn't happen often, but Brad made it happen. So
0: No, it was a good time. Uh, you're right. It doesn't happen very often, but I got to
1: enjoy it there one time. and uh have a lot of fond memories of it. No doubt. No doubt. Well, listen, I wanted to start off the show just kind of talking to you about your role and your your title here with the Panthers is Alumni Affairs Intern. And, I mean, just if you could kind of walk us through, A, how you came to be back with the organization and, B, what you do in the Alumni Affairs Department.
0: Uh, Well, how I got back to the organization, um, I really didn't think I would probably step back in this building, to be honest with you, other than visiting and um you know between Riley fields and and David Monroe, which is two guys that have been around here for a long, long time and that I have good relationships with. They kind of proposed this idea of you know bringing a former player back in to help with the alumni mm-hmm. affairs side of of the the table within the organization and you know, I thought about it for a little while and you know, I was like, I could do this. I mean I've got a lot of good connections with guys not that I play with, but also guys before me. And a few guys after me. So, like, uh, trying to bridge that gap uh, between, you know, as a former player, bringing guys back, keeping guys in the loop. And, uh, you know, it's nice to be back in the building, and it's been really nice to catch up with some guys.
1: What what kind of stuff are you trying to keep guys connected for? Because I was having a conversation with Steve Smith several weeks back, and he talked about when he – went to Baltimore, he realized then, okay, you see old guys walk through the building. You see former players always there, and it makes a difference in terms of not just the business side and keeping fans engaged and that kind of stuff, but really even down into the locker room. I mean, what do you, what do you guys hope to do? What's kind of the goal of keeping guys connected?
0: Well, I think the big thing is is – for me, is just to uh, re-engage with these guys and let them know that, hey, I don't want anything from you. All I want to do is be able to help you in whatever way being able to help you. I know for me personally, when I kind of retired from football and, and walked away, you know, there are benefits out there and, and stuff that the league does, but you have no clue of what it is. And for me, I had no, no one to really rely on. So it was just kind of through trial and error that I found a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And so really sharing that experience, you know, in, in the league, the, the different programs that the NFL has and two former players and that can benefit former players it falls in a lot of buckets now, whereas there there weren't maybe 10, 12 mm-hmm. years, years ago. And so, you know, just keeping people, in, you know, informed, involved, and just know that I'm here as a liaison to try to help guide them on the right path. I never claim to have all the answers nor am I ever going to, but like if I can help in any way, that's kind of my role here.
1: Right. That's cool. How how many guys would you say in a regular week you have contact with or email or talk to on the phone?
0: Uh, it varies. Mm-hmm. It really depends on uh what we're trying to get accomplished. I mean, if it's a low week, I'm I'm just trying to check in on guys. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it might be in-season or an off-season that we're looking for guys for events. So, I, I, I'm definitely having more contact uh, mm-hmm. to try to get them to commit to something. Um, but I don't say there's a set number. It's mm-hmm. just it's just good to connect when we do connect.
1: Right. And I know, I mean, for instance, I mean, Greg Olson's always around here doing events, you know, charity events. He's one of the more visible alumni around here. And I know it's great having a guy like Greg around the organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you kind of what's the goal in your mind in terms of keeping these guys connected i mean is it you know just showing the community keeping everybody mindful of the guys who used to be here reaching out what's what's kind of your vision of it
0: i think it's a little bit of both uh you know guys who have spent a you know i'd I'd say a good portion of their careers here in some way somehow Mm -hmm. and uh just showing that there's somebody within this organization that has been in their same spot, you know, in a mm-hmm. locker room, in a, you know, on a game field, and just say, hey, I'm here to help. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that call Charlotte home and, you know, do, do a lot of good things. And so it's it's just trying to keep communication lines going. I, I don't think we want anything from these guys mm-hmm. other than, hey, how can we help you? What can we do to kind of facilitate things mm-hmm. between the organization and you, and, and just you know, just be there as a liaison to help them in some way or some fashion.
1: Gotcha. So cool. And like I said, I, I do think it's it's neat for an organization, you know, to realize that it is beyond the scope of one season or any any particular. You know, seasons are going to go up, seasons are going to go down, but. You know, the Carolina Panthers are always going to have a Brad Hoover. The Carolina Panthers are always going to have a Steve Smith or a Jake DeLome and those kind of guys. And I I think it's cool having that connection because it does bridge the generations. And, you know, there are kids growing up. We've kind of hit the point where there are generations of Panthers fans and people who grew up watching Brad Hoover, you know, (laughs) and that's pretty cool to think about, you know, really when the organization's as young as this one is. Yeah,
0: and I wouldn't say – I mean, I know we're still young, but we're over 25 years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's hard to believe back. You know, I started my career
1: in 2000 when we were five years in. So, I mean – The organization's young. I'm old. You're you're slightly (laughs) less old than me, Brad, but uh, still very – still it, 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 occupying a vital role I think here in the organization. It's cool having you back in the building. It's it's just neat being able to walk down the hall and seeing intern Brad as I like to tease him, <laughs> you know, sitting at his desk. I mean, it, it it's it brings back a lot of memories on a regular basis. Speaking of memories, it's Super Bowl week. You played in one of those, didn't you? I did. I did.
0: I uh, have fond memories of the 03 and really 04 Super Bowl. So, uh
1: Pretty cool. I was mentioning this in, in a piece I've written for the mailbag that we're going to run later on today, uh, which you should absolutely read on Panthers.com, but I talked about how in that game, the Cincinnati team right now kind of reminds me of you guys because, A, you weren't supposed to be there. B, you had kind of struggled a couple years leading into it and turned things around quickly but i remember in 03 there was there was no sense among you guys that you weren't supposed to be there there was kind of an earned confidence that you guys built up along the course of that season when was the moment when you kind of figured out hey this team might actually be pretty good huh that's a good question
0: um, i don't know i i i think for us we it was a combination of a lot of things i mean and I look at each NFL season like you have to stay healthy, you got to be a little lucky, and you got to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in particular, that team probably wasn't the most talented team I've ever played on, but we kind of hit that. You know, there's three things at the right time, and uh, you know, I, I think once I think it's like every year, once you get into the playoffs, you got a chance. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was just, you know, because I was on, you know. It, a 2000 team that would, was okay, a, a one team that was horrible. <laughs> um, and I don't mean horrible in a light, bad way, but horrible from a record yeah, standpoint. One 1-15, that counts, Brad. And, and then 2002, you're kind of building to it. And then 2003, we just took off. And I'd, I'd say about halfway little over halfway through the season, you, you start to feel, okay, we've, we're starting to put this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. Then you get into the playoffs and you win pivotal games and you're like, holy smokes, we're good. Mm-hmm. We just got to keep it going. And then we, we rode it all the way to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. One of the things that happened along the way, and I, and I wanted to kind of get your memories of it because it was such a kind of cornerstone moment for the franchise – before that Dallas playoff game, when when Sam Mills gathers the team up out on the practice field day before the game and gives the speech, the mm-hmm. the keep pounding speech. I mean, a what do you remember about that day, a, and B did you realize what you were hearing when you heard it? I think looking back now, you appreciate it more.
0: At the time, you're just kind of mm-hmm. going, okay, I know what this, you know, this guy that. Um, that Coach Mills, and that's how I respond to him. But as a player and a coach, for us, was going through – we knew what he was going through, but not to the extent of, you know, the keep pounding mantra. And uh, kind of that mantra become the rallying cry for this organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the time, I don't think you experienced that, but looking back you go, holy smokes. You Mm -hmm. know, I I got to sit in firsthand on an experience that – not many people got to experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really think that was kind of the the rallying cry for us that year. It was, right. you know, fighting not only for ourselves and professionally, but also for an organization and then Coach Mills and Sam himself yeah. um, to motivate.
1: And one of the things players who were there have told me was that they were kind of impressed. I mean, Sam Mills is – Continuing to coach while going through cancer treatments, and you guys knew that it wasn't a secret or anything, but several guys have told me over the years that Sam's big thing was he never wanted to make it about himself mm-hmm. and, and and how do you how does that come across? I mean how is that delivered in terms of you know here's what I'm going through and putting it into the context for the team to become kind of a motivational message as opposed to poor me.
0: And I don't, you know, for me, I, I look back at it and it's it's just Sam being real. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, because I, I, I look at football teams like extended families. I mean, we're around each other more than we are our families sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was just being honest with us and upfront with us, and you know, and, and really telling us how he felt. And for us, it's family members or team members to kind of rally around that. That's, that's what I remember about it is, you know, you never saw him walking. You never saw him feeling sorry for himself. I mean, he was running somewhere. He was always positive. And, it, you know, I, I've i never met a guy that was kind of going through the situations that he's going through. I don't know if I would feel that way. Right. I would, you know, I don't want to say I feel sorry for myself, but I, I don't know if I would be in a jovial mood. All Mm -hmm. the time. And you never saw him not. He he cared more about others than he did himself sometimes. And I think that's important to be recognized is in society
1: this day and age that doesn't always happen. No, it does not. No, it does not. And that was a special time. You guys, thus inspired, continued that run all the way to the Super Bowl. We're down in Houston, it's Super Bowl thirty eight and here come the New England Patriots. Are are there things that stand out in your memory now that uh, about the week leading up to the game, the setting, the scene, all the extra stuff that goes with being in a Super Bowl?
0: Uh I mean it was just foreign to a lot of us mm-hmm. at the time. That's you know, whereas uh, you know, New England had already kind of quasi you know, they'd been there, so they right. had some experience with it. For us it was just it was kinda like going on a I don't want to say a field trip because it wasn't; it was a business trip. But like it was just new, fun experience, and we were kind. Of, you get caught taking it in sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just how the Super Bowl structured. You know, you you go from in season, preseason, in season to even playoff games. You're you're traveling day before, two days before, depending on location. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl, you're there a week, and so you're living there. You're you know, it's a different. Environment media's constantly involved. Where you 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 dealt with media on a a daily basis uh, in season, but you know you weren't dealing with national media.
1: It's one thing Uh, having me wandering around the locker room. It's another (laughs) thing having a couple thousand of my friends coming with me, Brad. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, sabotage, right? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I mean, it was a cool experience. It's it's just it's just it's a break or. a... We're all creatures of habit, so like mm-hmm. as players, I think we like consistency, and that breaks it for you, yeah. you know, because it brings you in a different environment.
1: As far as the game itself, I mean, I think as time passes and you look back on it now, you realize if you were there or you saw that game, that was one of the great Super Bowls ever. I mean, people might not necessarily think about the Carolina Panthers being involved one of the NFL's all-time games, But that was a great game, back and forth, scoreless first quarter, slow starting, boom, slow third quarter, boom. And that fourth quarter was just back and forth. What's it like for you guys when you're in the middle of it and going through that game against a guy who has done it before in Tom Brady? Well, he's done a lot lot after that too. (laughs) So, uh,
0: you know, it's hard to say, but, you know, for me i've never been a person who's got real nervous about games and mm-hmm. i remember that game specifically like almost hyperventilating the whole first quarter i mean you, you just right. that there's that much of emphasis put on this and and it could change the way this team was viewed the way you as a player was viewed mm-hmm. you know winning one and you know just being extremely nervous and then you kind of settle in which right. I, I think that's How the game played out is kind of how we were riding a high or Mm -hmm. dealing with circumstances uh, that we were all kind of nervous and then had to calm down. And when we calmed down, it's kind of when we hit our stride and it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And unfortunately, at the very end, it just wasn't our time. But I felt like that day it could have been a coin flip. It could have gone either way, and unfortunately we didn't.
1: What, one more minute on the clock, a little more time, you know, Any anything. There were so many points in that game where it could have broke either way. And, and it uh, it does amaze me sometimes when you think back on it, just how close you guys were to pulling off not what would have necessarily been an upset because the way we think about the Patriots now, it wasn't necessarily that way then. But, mm-hmm. you know, looking back on it now after that guy stacks up another five Super Bowls after that one. I mean, it's just insane it to, is. to realize, but one of one of the classic games of all time. It, are there any other memories you have of whether it's that week in Houston, the game itself, that are always going to stand out to you?
0: Uh, there's always parts of my career that, um, you know, somebody asked me what are the three things you remember about your career, and, you know, definitely Super Bowl is, is one of those. I have an opportunity to play in Super Bowl, and I had – you know, come close to playing in another, but only had an opportunity to play in one, and mm-hmm. I remember that, um, and it's high on my list. Um, you know, the other one is probably my rookie season, uh, the Green Bay game. That's probably one thing that, it, good or bad, I think it kept me around for yeah. my career. And uh, so it's when I uh, remember a lot and, and, and kind of look back on and and the, the third is – the year that both Jonathan and uh, D'Angelo both went over eleven hundred yards. So Mm -hmm. those are
1: kind of my three
0: highlights of the career with Super Bowl being the one up top.
1: Pretty good highlights. (laughs) Pretty good highlights for an undrafted rookie who defied every odd to get. I mean, and I do, I say this, and we kind of joke about it sometimes, Brad, but the most impressive thing to me is a guy who can play in the league in 10 years or for 10 years Mm -hmm. because anybody can have talent. But you can be unlucky. You can get in a bad situation. But no matter if you're a first-round pick, a seventh-round pick, undrafted, to make it in the NFL 10 years is an incredible testament. And I think your work ethic and what you put into the game and your passion for it is a lot of that. I mean, nobody was more passionate on the sidelines. Nobody was, And nobody was more prepared. And nobody worked at it the way you did. But it's an incredible achievement. Um Wanted to take us out, uh, on a little bit lighter note, wanted to ask you Super Bowl questions. Do you have parties to watch the Super Bowl, or are you a guy who watches the game by yourself? I, I don't
0: say I'm I'm a big party guy. Um, I have been, and I don't say I'll watch it by myself, but I've always watched football differently than maybe a fan watches football. Right. So... Uh, I'm watching the little things Mm -hmm. that make difference. So uh, even when I'm watching a game, even if people are around, I'm kind of glued in. I might be paying attention to a conversation, but I'm still looking at it and and viewing it in a different light than maybe other people.
1: Gotcha. What's the perfect football food for Brad Hoover? Ah, that's hard. (laughs) I don't say the perfect
0: football food, but like uh, the food I, what I love, my wife to fix. I call it liquid gold, but it's twice baked potatoes. All right, and, and it just it's it's on fire when she does it. So uh, anytime I can sweet talk her into making something to that that extreme, I'm
1: on. That, I'm on. That's the go to recipe. I think it's good to lay down a good starch base for a good Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. That's important. Uh, And here's the last thing I got for you in terms of Super Bowl memories. Did you realize Janet did that? (laughs) We had no clue (laughs) until after the game.
0: (laughs) And that that, (laughs) – It just adds to the mystique of the of the game we played, with Super Bowl 38. But uh, no, I had no clue until after the game was over. No,
1: and not only did we have Janet Jackson flashing America during the halftime show, there was a streaker during that game too. Were you on the field for that?
0: I was not on the field, okay. but uh, uh, I remember kind of chuckling when uh, the the Patriot guy tackled and it, it took him down. But it's oh. kind of funny.
1: it is wild that game had it all it had janet jackson it had a streaker and it had western carolina's own brad hoover how cool is that
0: oh yeah um i never a million years thought i'd even be playing in the nfl but also to play as long as i was able to play and then have an opportunity to play in the super bowl so i'm extremely
1: blessed yeah and we're blessed to have you back in the building on a regular basis that is panthers legend Western Carolina, great. Ten-year NFL star, Brad Hoover. Brad, thanks for dropping by the happy half hour, man. I Thank appreciate you, you filling in. Right. This is pretty good. Don't tell Will, but uh, we may have replaced him. <laughs> I don't know. This could. I could easily see this turning into a regular thing. I appreciate all of you guys dropping by. That's the happy half hour for another week. We'll see you on the other side.